All right, welcome to Advanced Training Podcast, episode number 11. Today we are here with a special guest, Joe Marechko. Joe, how you doing? Good afternoon, Coach. Doing well. How are you, sir? So just, just to clear the air, how do you actually spell your last name? The spelling is M-R-E-C-Z-K-O. Everybody always screws up the, the C before the Z, so it's not easy. Uh, I've had every pronunciation. I've had every spelling. I still get it wrong sometimes. Is is that your number one pet peeve I see in our massive group text that you'll that we could be texting about anything, uh, and you uh, yeah. if they no, spell I, it wrong you just correct someone immediately. Uh, I'm uh, thirty years on this planet. I'm used to correcting people about it. Uh, I'm, it doesn't piss me off anymore. I just do it just to do it. But uh, I feel like I deserve that kind of respect at least. The, the most the thing that pisses <laughs> me off the most is the the errant rants that go on in that group text. It, it's mind-boggling where that conversation leads to sometimes i could tell it, it could range from anything to uh what the next challenge is uh or who's a bad guy for stealing somebody else's challenge spoiler alert tronzo or who the wwe champion was uh six months ago six years ago even yeah, yeah we I, I get videos my i mean my biggest pet peeve about it is how i'll look at my phone after being in an appointment or something come outside there's 37 text messages and my phone batteries you know at 10% now, and I got to charge my phone because these kids are talking about, you know, WrestleMania from 20 years ago or something. I don't know. It sounds like you're getting a little angry right now talking about it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I was having a good day, too. Because <laughs> we All haven't right. had any that's that's why. So let, let's dig into background a little bit. Yes, sir. You, never, you didn't play college football, but you, you've been with the group since 2008. What actually made you join advanced training? So I uh, met you. At St. Joseph High School, I did play one year of high school football my freshman year. Um, then, as you said, did not play in college. I just knew about the program. I knew the guys that were associated with the program. I knew you, and it was something that I, I wanted to be a part of. I think it was beneficial to me at that time. I think, obviously, it's still beneficial to me, uh, to uh, who I have become, uh, who I am every day, and, and how I challenge myself through this program, and uh, that that's pretty much, you know, again, I, I, I haven't been an athlete since high school, technically. So I uh, just wanted something I wanted to be around, something to keep me active for sure. But definitely, you know how much more than that it is. So a lot of people are normally intimidated to come into the group if they're not some sort of psychotic college football player. Uh, in fact, people in the gym normally don't even like working out around us. How did you yeah. feel? Did you feel comfortable? What did you feel like back in 2008? No, I um... – it was definitely a tough thing to break into, um, you know, because I knew the guys that were there and I knew, yes, they were the psychotic college football players or, you know, we have, we work out with some firemen, some, some Naval guys, you know, whatever, whatever you've trained in the past, I knew all about it. And uh, it's definitely intimidating for sure. But once you know, once you can break into that, that circle, that realm, if you want to call it that, uh, I, I feel great amongst those men. Now I feel like I've, uh, you know, somewhat proven myself and earned a little bit of my that respect, even though I think it, the most intimidating thing was, yeah, I, I didn't play college football. So right away, I know those eyes are looking at me. You know, who is this kid? He hasn't done anything. And that, that goes in every walk of life, basically. That, that's how people, if you, if you don't go through the same uh, footsteps as them, you know, they're going to see in a different light. So now you weren't doing a whole bunch of nothing in college. You, you had a role, I think a pretty big role. You were a mascot for St. Joe's. Talk to me about this hawk, uh, who is legendary, and why does he never stop flapping his wings? 
So the mascot, well, it started off, I was a, uh, my high school job, I was the mascot for the Staten Island Yankees. Uh, Screw to the holy cow. I was actually rated the third best mascot in minor league baseball in the country. <laughs> That's a little that better. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was good. That was a good one. But um, so I got to checking out schools, obviously, in uh, sophomore, junior year in high school. And I went to St. Joseph's University down in Philly because my brother told me I would never make Villanova, which was the school he went to. But he said, this is the, the safety school. You know, they like to look down upon us. Um, still a top 25 business school. I said, no problem. I'll check it out. On the tour, obviously, they went into the, the, the fame of the Hawk. Uh, the, the saying on the school grounds is the Hawk will never die. Uh, it goes, we have a basketball team. We don't have a football team. So everything is pretty much based around the basketball program. The Hawk is the only mascot in the country that travels with the basketball team. Uh, it was, you know, it's a position on campus that's held in very high regard. You're also the head manager for the basketball team. So along with traveling and participating in practices and helping out the coaching staff and everything, I got a full scholarship. Um, so once I heard that, you know, on the tour, I said, this is something I want to look into. Being that, I said, how hard can it be to be a mascot since I was doing it already in high school? And I uh, just, you know, it, it was a blessing in disguise. It really, it, it helped me. It helped guide me through my path at St. Joe's University. Um, it gave me something to do for those five years besides school and, and got me into a lot of great situations, whether it was dealing with alumni or just uh, all my experiences with traveling with the team and learning uh, from the coaching staff, learning about the game of basketball, learning about teammates and, and dealing with different kind of personalities and things that I had to put up with all those years. So it was a, it was an unbelievable experience. So on the advanced training website, we have a section that says athletes. There's a pro, college, armed forcement, sorry, armed forces, law enforcement, and there's one for mascots, and you're the only one up there. I, it is technically a D1 athlete. I do have to point that out. It is a scholarship uh, you know, from a D1 athlete, so it's, you could sneak me in there if you really want to, but I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'm just happy to be on the website. And if, is it true that if you stop flapping your wings, that's it, you're fired from that role? Yeah, so, the, okay, so going back to that, sorry, I skipped over that. Yeah, the Hawk will never die, that's the slogan, uh, and you have to flap anytime you're out in public. So I would lead the team out on the court when we came out of the locker room, uh, and then I stand there basically at the end of the bench, kind of tucked off away to the side, flapping nonstop. So if you ever watch a game on ESPN or if you Google it, they say the Hawk flaps over 3,500 times a game. Uh, of course, my first game as the Hawk, we went into uh, double overtime out in Iona. So I was doing it for, uh, <laughs> I mean, that game, it was two overtime periods. So it's, it, was, uh, it was quite an experience to start my career there. But all in all, again, it was, it was just so much fun. Yeah, you have people, eyes glued on you, not just the little kids, like the most prestigious alumni that we have. And if, you, if you're goofing off or if you're not flapping correctly or fast enough or whatever, you, I got emails about stuff and, I used to dance, of course. I put a little personality into it, so I got yelled at at that. Um, I used to take one-arm foul shots during timeouts and flap with the other arm, so I'd always have to keep at least one arm going. And I uh, caught a lot of flack for it, but in the end, everybody thought I was uh, one of the top five to ever be there, I'd say. so. And if you were writing a program for a mascot, you know, <laughs> what, uh, what type of condition are you putting in for flapping those wings? Well, that was major shoulders. I, I had some unbelievable traps at that time in my life uh you know the the costume in and of itself was i'd say maybe 10 to 15 pounds as a you know just an overthrow that you'd toss on but it it had a 
it was pretty heavy. And again, just to go through that, you'd have to run figure eights during every media timeout. So that was about uh, 12 to 15 a game and uh, flap your wings the whole time nonstop other than that. So it was uh, definitely a shoulder and trap workout. Your back got into it and just a lot of sleep afterwards made up for it. But it was uh, it was good. I was in good shape back then. All right, so let, let's get into this journey of advanced training. It's 2008. You test out. Uh, of all the people that have ever been through advanced training, there have been 203 times that someone's tested. Your first test in 2008, you're actually ranked 202. So the second lowest power points of all time. I better hope, I better hope 203 doesn't die anytime soon. <laughs> so fast forward or slow forward 11 years later, you bumped your way up all the way to 130. You put right. almost 100 pounds on your bench press. You added 75 pounds to your deadlift. You added 11 pounds to your, sorry, 11 reps to your pull-ups. So of all that stuff, and it doesn't have to be your PowerPoints, what is your own personal best accomplishment in advanced training? What are you most proud of? Uh, my most recent accomplishment is the blue shirt. Uh, going up to that level, it just it speaks to yes, the 11 year journey that has been uh, all ups and downs, not just in the gym, but uh, everything. I mean, thank God for you. You and I have been through. Uh, we're trying to get me on a on a great diet plan. We're trying to figure out what works best for me in the gym. Uh, going, you know, through college again, not as an athlete, so I've had trouble finding motivation at times. I've had trouble finding what works best for me and my body type. Um, and like I said, thank God you've been there the whole time to, to lead me through it and, and experiment with me and try to figure everything out. But, uh, yeah, the blue shirt, when I, when I got that the other, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, I was very proud of it. And then sure enough, I told you the next day I'm walking my dog and, uh, you know, another former advanced training guy is driving down the block, slams on his brakes. I thought I was going to be in a shooting or something, but he reaches out the window and, and said, you know, who's that guy wearing that blue shirt? advanced training you know and i was like ah you know that made me feel really good because it's a it's not it's just to signify you know that somebody else knows what kind of work we're putting in and what it means to be not only a blue shirt but to be in advanced training so well first off was that ryan minyanico yes all right uh yeah. so he's another advanced training guy another decision by the c football player went on to play football at king's county college another crazy football player that you've earned the respect of I want to take a, a massive step back and turn, talk about the shirt so people who don't, who've never been a part of this thing understand what's going on. So what we did with our PowerPoints is we started assigning shirts similar to uh, belts in karate. So if you get – in fact, Joe, your, your first time, your, two, your rank of 202 was a, a .464 PowerPoints, so low, in fact, that it was not even worthy of a shirt. Right. So you, you were shirtless in uh, 2008. Oh, yeah. Now, if you get in the PowerPoints of like a 0.6, you are a red shirt. Uh, 0.7 is a green shirt. 0.8 is a blue shirt. So there is le legitimately what we like to call a, a cast system. So if you're wearing the shirt, people can tell how strong you are just by the color of that shirt. So, yeah, I think that is a sick accomplishment because you went from a level below no shirt to three rungs up that ladder. Yeah, like I said, it was uh... – Proud moment for me. I'm I'm happy, it's, and the the job's nowhere near done. When I I'm not satisfied, as you know, but uh, it, so far I think that's my best accomplishment. Yeah. What What's crazy too? Uh, well, not crazy to us, but crazy to people on the outside is we had been training in a very different way before your last test. We weren't even close to coming to to max effort on bench or deadlift. In fact, there was months of not benching with a barbell. Almost, I'd say, almost a year. 
Same thing with the deadlift. We were doing RDLs. We never really pulling from the floor just because we were toying around with another system. And on a whim, you wanted to test. So uh, pretty good experiment. I got to connect some of the dots on how those gains were, were made. But I think there mm-hmm. is some transferable skill. I mean, we're seeing it with the kids we train too. There's transferable skill. It's not perfect transferable skill, but from going from a dumbbell to a barbell, I think if, you, if you're getting some of those movement patterns in, it's not identical, but uh, if you're getting some of them in, it's going to jump up your numbers, which it clearly did for you. You killed it. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we, I like to experiment, or I should say you like to experiment on me, what we're going to institute with the kids. Um, so, you know, whether we use it or not, we do some pretty grueling stuff, and uh, it's definitely made me stronger. I mean, it's, that's the proof's in the pudding there with the numbers, as you said. So I, I, don't, I don't like to experiment on you. I love to experiment on you. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason being is of, of all the guys I've ever trained, you really let me know when you hate a workout. You, you will tell me, you will grunt and groan almost to the point that I think you're dying as it's happening. You'll let me know as it's happening. And uh, the more you hate it, the more I want to throw it in. Right. So uh, this was not one of the prep questions, but I got to ask. What is your least favorite workout that we do? Uh, that we do or have done? Do um, or have done, yeah, in the history of your time with advanced training. This is a tough one. Uh, there's been quite a few, as you know. Um, I think the one where we had to put our ankles underneath a stable bar and fall forward slowly. Ah, a natural glute ham race. Yes, sir. I, that was that. That was pretty bad. So for those that don't know, uh, it, it, you know, our gym does not have a, a glute ham raise machine. So what we do, we lock our legs under a bench of some sort. Yeah, by basically locking the, your Achilles tendon under it. So it's pretty painful to begin with. And then your knees are on the ground. You're standing in like a, a kneeling, sorry, you're in a kneeling position. And you are controlling how slowly you're falling with your chest to the ground. And your chest has to hit the ground last. So it's basically a great hamstring posterior chain workout. But it is absolutely brutal, especially with A, grinding up your knees. B, it's grinding up your Achilles. There's probably 100 better ways to do this thing. We could always throw something under our knees or on top of our ankles. But yeah. it, it is pretty rough. Uh, I know you're also a big fan of, like, Bulgarian split squat lunge holds with a band. That seems to be another, yeah, another one you're screaming me about. What did we say about the, the – uh, now I can't think of that injury. Liz Frank injury. That's the one. <laughs> I thought that was coming a couple times. <laughs> All right. So you talked about this journey that you've been on. You, you, you alluded to it a little bit. So yes. I, I want to get into 2008. You've been training with me. Uh, that's when you started. And between 2008 and 2019, there's been a total of five testing periods. So that means that of the 11 years, there were six of those years that you weren't really finishing the program to the point that you could test. Now, most of those were in the beginning of your career with advanced training. You went from extremely inconsistent to now to the point where you're a no-miss guy. What what changed? Like the last two years, three years, you're a no-miss guy. What transformed Mm -hmm. you? Well, definitely since college, uh, my situation, um, just being around more often, obviously, that, that, you know, a lot of our, even still now we have college guys coming home for the summer. So they're around much more often. Um, but I'd say as I, as I grew older, as I moved back to Staten Island and I, you know, wanted to fill up my time with important things, things that'll challenge myself, things that made me self-improve. I came to the realization and the maturity that this was something that was great for me. 
um, not only physically, but to, to grow. And like I said, mature to learn from you. Um, and that's, that's pretty much, you know, as that happened, as that realization came to me, it's just, I bought in more and more, um, you know, even to the point where I, one of the big reasons that my now fiance and I moved back to the South shore from the North shore was so I could be closer to the gym and, and not have to wake up an extra 45 minutes early every morning to go back and forth, uh, back to the North shore. So, I mean, it's, it has been, uh, quite a revelation on my end. Um, something I'm, I'm thankful for every day. And yeah, that, like I said, the, the proof's been in the pudding. It's definitely helped me in, in more ways than just the physical aspects. Do you think that's why the great James Uzge Matt, uh, moved back to, I'll say closer he, to the South shore. I, it's, it, it, it was the fire that, that lit onto me. So I'm assuming <laughs> in that same boat. I have a feeling with Jimmy, you uh, had nothing to do with it, but for you, <laughs> I think that's a great message to people. Is that you know if you want something badly enough, you're willing to make big sacrifices, big decisions to make that happen. Because I do remember you lived on the north shore of Staten Island. We train on the south, the the south of the south shore of Staten Island. So it was a heck of a trip to actually get to these training sessions on time and to get back home. So to me, it it showed me a great deal that you moved. And I'll be honest, since you moved, I think that's when that whole turning point started. That's where you started to be a no miss guy. Yeah, like I said, my just. As you get older, your priorities change, your situations change. My perspective on life has changed from, you know, life experiences. Um, first off, just I think coaching had a lot to do with it. Obviously, when I was when I got a job out of college, um, that my first year out of college, I was not very happy. I was that was now I graduated in 2012 officially. So, um, you know, that. I was still trying to drive down to Philadelphia and hang out with my roommates who was still living together, even though I had to move to New Jersey and live by myself. So I, I was homesick. My family was, was at a different situation at that time. So uh, it wasn't a great time in my life. And I found that coaching and eventually working out really uh, just helped me a lot in, in so many ways. Um, and now, like I said, even the past three to five years now I have uh, she's now my fiance I think Jackie's played just a, an, an unbelievable part in it I think my my family and friends have come a long way but I think you uh, and not only coaching with you but coaching in general um, you know I've been coaching now for seven or eight years so that's that's really I wanted I, I realized myself if I'm gonna lead young men you know I gotta be able to lead by example in some ways and I think the gym is is a is one where you know, people look at you differently when, when you're working out and uh, when you do work out, I should say, whether you, you know, when I go to work and I have to fill out a suit and I just look better than I did years ago um, or, I'm, you know, you stand the next to somebody that maybe doesn't work out. It's 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 pretty impressive. But, you know, to see you is obviously impressive. Um, you know, it just makes a big difference and it's made a big difference in my life. I'm thinking about our visit to Dr. Tom, which we hopefully will cover later. But what he was talking sure. to us about was being authentic, right? He was going through like our, our five, why, 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 why do you want to do this? And, and for me, mm. I think for you is that same thing. We want to be authentic. How do I tell a kid you got to work out? You got to eat right. You can't miss a workout. If I'm not doing it myself, we're, we're walking yeah. billboards of what we do. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about coaching for a second. Uh, you're, you have a pretty storied career. You've coached high school <laughs> baseball, high school basketball, and now you're coaching high school football. Yes. Between those three sports, what are transferable skills that you can carry over from one sport to another? Uh, I think what's allowed me to be 
I, I'm, I'd say successful uh, to, an, to a point. I say I'm successful. Um, I think my ability to pay attention to detail. I, I'm a real stickler for the finer points of, of you know, working out or, or the steps you have to take when you're doing a certain move or, you know, anything that, that I've coached. I really get it down to the bare knuckles of it and, and try to, you know, start at the bottom, um, build that foundation, let the kids understand why this is so important. You know, um, I think that transfers over anything in life, not just sports, but, um, you know, if you could pay attention and, and pick out the smallest of finest of details, that's going to give you a little bit of an edge, a little bit of an advantage, you know, that's going to make you that much better. And, it's, it may be something that takes absolutely no effort or, you know, you just think about something in a different light and it, it can make all the difference in the world, whether it's a game, whether it's one play uh, or whether it's a, you know, a deal later on in life that you, you work and you're making it work. Um, and so that's always been something I've tried to do. Uh, also, I, just my desire, as you said, I've, I've now coached three different sports in a multitude of different situations and with different staffs, different schools. Um, so I, I just have a, a very innate desire to help. I never, uh, you know, I, I never played catcher as a, as a baseball player when I did play. Uh, but I, I go out of my way to study up on catching skills, to study different things that drills that they can do, things of that nature. So I, I need to be able to speak to the catcher just the same as the outfielder, which I played outfield when I did play. Um, same thing. I was never a point guard when I played basketball, but I need to be able to, you know, understand where they're coming from. I need to be able to talk their lingo, try to understand what's going on in their heads while, while I'm teaching them. So it's, uh, and now especially football, again, I only played one year of high school football. I played four of baseball and basketball. So I was a little more able to speak on those topics, but I was definitely never a quarterback. I was never an offensive lineman. You know, I played safety and, and corner for a year uh, and I wouldn't even call myself experienced at that. But, um, you know, I love, I just love the, the time that I put into studying these skills, studying different positions, hearing different coaches talk, whether I'm watching YouTube clips or I'm going to coaches conferences. Um, that's it. To me, it's just a passion that I have. And I think that has separated me from a lot of other people and that I've come across, whether it's in the high school field or, or higher. What I find very impressive about you is in the weight room is that you teach technique to the letter of the law. And I'll say that there's a, there's a connection between you and I in this, in this front, because in college I was God awful. My technique was awful. And at least for me being so bad at the lifts and my strength coach threw me out of the weight room. He actually was like, don't come back in here until you know how to hang clean the right way. Don't come back in here until you, until you stop working out like a guy from Staten Island. Nice. So uh, now I'm thinking about you. I mean, it might've been two years ago that you, you couldn't do an RDL. You just couldn't do it. You get like right. halfway down, maybe a quarter of the way down, and you couldn't walk the next day. But you're teaching it to, to the technical, I'll say expertise level of the stuff that we do. So I love that. But when I do – now your form has really, really improved, let's say, over the last year and a half. But when I praise you on it, you get – not only do you not tear, you get angry. What, what's going through your mind at those points? I said, it's not that I don't care. It's just, I, I feel like, you know, like anything else in, in life, if you're going to spend this much time doing something, learn it right. First off so much to the point where now I'm able to teach it. And I'm also not a huge fan of, you know, celebrating something that should be done. 
Um, you know, you and I have talked at, ad nauseum about, uh, you know, the, the, the detail of making your bed every morning, you know, what that, that discipline separates you. That's to me, if you ask my father and my mother, that's something you should do every day. I'm not going to, you know, buy your balloons because you, you made your bed one day. Um, so same thing in the gym. I, I, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to, you know, fawn over the, the compliments. Uh, but I do appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I think in the times that I, so people who weren't in the gym with us, like let's say Joe uh, is knocking out a set of max, max, maximum repetition, dumbbell bench press, and he gets 22 reps. And in his mind, he wanted to get 24 reps. And I say to him, Hey man, that was a great set. That was perfect form. Elbows were tucked in. You got a great range of motion. You controlled your breathing perfectly. He'll just look at me like, I hate you. Like, I didn't get 24. Even if last week he got 18 and he increased his reps by four, he's still, like, so angry about the outcome that my, I feel like my words of encouragement, because I genuinely mean it, I care more about the form than the outcome, is like, it's hitting him across the head the wrong way. But when I watch you coach people, you're exactly the same way. You're coaching kids up. You're focusing on the technique. You're focusing on the process, the outcome. In your mind, when you're coaching them, you're doing exactly what I'm doing with you. You're letting the process take care of the outcome and not the other way. And well, two things I'd say is one, I'm, I'm glad that I don't say I hate you actually in the, <laughs> in the moment, in the heat of the moment. I don't know if that's the best time to have a conversation per se. And to go point number two on that is when I do reflect on it, you know, as I'm walking home from the gym or as I'm coming home from a tough man, uh, you know, I do have moments of, of pride in myself saying, you know, Joe from 2008, who should have been doing all this stuff would have never done it and had never did it. So I'm, I'm proud of myself that I can do it. I'm, I'm thankful to you and that you've gotten me to this point where, yeah, you are supporting me in, 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 a, in this manner. And it's, you know, made me again, who I am right now and who I am today and, and we'll be going forward. Well, I think, you know, all of this is you. Uh, we just have a forum or a format at advanced training that if guys want it, just like the way we coach football, if guys want it, the door yeah. is open you're the one that decided to, to make the massive transition. And what yeah. I do love, you know, if we talk about our crew, you get a guy like Joe Sarno, who's got, he does not suffer a fool. He's got no time for weakness. And I know in the beginning, he was kind of calling you out maybe like two years ago. And now, you know, you beat him in a challenge this year. You got, you've gained his ultimate respect even before that for the fact that you're a finisher. Like that's, that's a massive, massive turnaround. And that's all you. That is 100% you. Yeah, and I, I mean, Sarno is uh... – you know, he's a freak. So anybody listening that doesn't know him, um, apparently he wasn't this much of a human freak in college, which is hard to believe because I've seen pictures of him on a football field. But now he's just a, an absolute monster. And, uh, it, yeah, that – I mean, obviously it made me feel good to beat him in a challenge. But he has been such a motivating factor, whether he knows it or not. I think I, I texted him, like, last year uh, because he got into coaching at his high school – or not his high school, a high school. Um, and I just – I can imagine – what he's doing for these high school kids. If he's doing this for me as a now 30 year old man, you know, at, at five fifteen in the morning, motivate me the way he does. And however that is, we'll, we'll keep that off the, uh, the airways, but um, you know, he's doing great things with his high school with his defense. And, and I know that he's, he's definitely been a motivating factor for me. And it, it, it really is something that sets AT apart in my opinion from any other, you know, workout facility or program that that's out there. And that's why I continue to come back and, and love it and, and preach a good word about it. What was, was great about him is as a 17-year-old kid, he was doing it with our guys at practice. We never had a bad practice with Joe Sarno. Uh, he, he wouldn't allow it. So he, he's the same guy. 
And I, you're right, it does make advanced training great to have a bunch of guys like that just nonstop pushing each other, nonstop. Yeah. So, no, I can imagine. Like I said, he's uh, if he was like that at 17, that, that must have been – was he on the best defense you guys ever had or was he a couple years uh, after that? I don't want any old players coming back and beating me up, but <laughs> his defense was very good, uh, okay. very good. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Right. All right, so I did a lot of patting you on the back about how good of a coach you are, uh, but this is going to be on the exact opposite direction. So I've watched you work out on your own, and I've watched your programming skills. And there's a lot to be desired. I watch you do like a looks like you're at a food buffet and you're just picking out workouts and throwing them together. So what what is going through your head? Obviously, you've trained with me for 11 years. You know the general formula for the training that we do. But if I right. see you on your own, you'll be jumping rope followed by a push up, followed by a farmer's walk, followed by some sort of deadlift. It looks like an LL Cool J workout. Yeah. What is going on well, in those moments? As we've discussed in our never-ending uh, journey to, to find out more information or to, to read and learn from other people's experiences or, or suggestions, um, something that I had sent to you uh, was an article I read about, if you want to get better at something, do that exact thing. Uh, I think the article, the article was mostly about um, running sprints if you want to be a faster baseball player and you know, doing certain things to, to get specifically good at that necessary thing. Um, and again, when we do all this fun stuff that we do, uh, it doesn't necessarily, I'm not happy with where even, you know, it's now I'm 30 years old. I'm, I'm not happy with how many pushups I can do, or I'm trying to burn fat, um, to get my body fat count down. And you and I have, let's say differing opinions, um, on how to accomplish that. So, um, putting it yeah, mildly, not, what's that? Putting it mildly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's, it's. Unfortunately, if you listen to the last podcast, it's it's more than it's more science than it is uh, just a difference of opinions. But um, we've we've tried a lot of different things. I don't, you know, I still think that there are many frontiers that we can still try to cross over. But um, again, I, it's somewhere, sooner or later, it comes down on me. And uh, so, while I still will incorporate what we do and and our program, I do want to try to get some extra things in there, like a you know an extra thousand jump rope. Uh, during the workout or to keep my heart going or throwing push-ups like, you know, 50 throughout a workout just to continuously hit that muscle group and uh, try to bump that push-up number up. So it, it is very interesting because let's hit tackle this on multiple fronts. So front number one is admittedly what I've told you since day one is I, I this program is very good at making you strong and keeping you healthy. I think right. we've succeeded by doubling your PowerPoints is pretty insane. Like, especially, oh, yeah. and, and I, I've never been hurt in uh, advanced training history. Knock, knock on wood. All right. Yeah. So that, that, that is one part of it. Uh, the other part. I had a shoe blow out, but that was it. That is true. And Joe Sarnoff thought you were being soft and your shoe yeah. actually did blow out. So quick, kick, quick uh, side story <laughs> here. He is in the challenge. He is doing some sort of prowler push. I think it's, I don't know. 50 yards or something crazy like that. Yeah. And you stop and scream, my shoe, my, sorry, my cleat, my cleat. And Joe Sarno is like, yeah, my cleat. You wimp. Like, I said a lot worse than that. And then we look over and your cleat actually was, it actually blew up. It exploded. Yeah, like a Zion Williamson, if anybody can picture that Nike game that he was on TV, just completely heel flew off. Or if you know Pete Sluter, one of our former players, uh, now bound for college, but he did the same thing early in a game this year. Um and Pete's a lot bigger guy than I am, but 
uh, same kind of impressive pressure or crappy, you know, uh, cleat. So that's, but uh, yeah, the Sarno motivating factor there, that was uh, wrong place, wrong time, but I was happy to, I was happy to somewhat keep my dignity when he actually realized that my toes were completely out of shoe. And I defy anyone to do a low handle prowler push or a high handle prowler push tired with uh, no cleat or one cleat on. It's, it's not possible. You know, maybe high handle if, you're, if it's five yards, but at 50 yards, you got yeah. problems. So back to the other part of the story. So yeah, we've gone back and forth about this. I think our, our biggest issues have been that, you know, training, at least in my mind, is to, to make you strong, to make you fit, to make you a better athlete. Dieting and lifestyle really handles the other stuff. Having said that, uh, you have made such insane gains in the gym, but the constant thing you're saying is, I don't care about that. Or, I care about it a little bit, but I'm really more interested in the other stuff. And I think that's where you and I have, I'll say, uh, butted heads every now and again or all the time with respect to working out and how it relates to body composition. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I admittedly, I do not have the same willpower as you um, as far as, you know, bringing your own food to holiday parties and, and things of that nature, not not partaking in parties. Uh, I just got back from Vegas this morning on another bachelor party. I think it's somewhere up in the 20s now. Um, so I, I, have, I have a terrible time of saying no to, to certain things. Um, but having said that, yeah, the, the gains in the gym are undeniable. And, and uh, I definitely might, I do look different. I, I feel different. Uh, I've come a long way in that aspect. But yeah, the, uh, the dieting and, and lifestyle part, that's something that we will continue to try to experiment and find what's going to work for me in the long, long haul and uh, go from there. So I want to take one step back and then we'll take one step forward. The step back is over the course of this 11 years, you've asked me some extremely difficult questions that I, you, you forced me to go back to the drawing board and constantly question myself and say, am I doing the right thing? You know, you're, you've asked me why a million times, which is good. You weren't uh, like basically questioning the program, but you were questioning me, I'm assuming to learn. Now, what was your reasoning for all of these questions, you know, for, for everything? Why are we warming up this way? Why are we lifting this way? Why are we sprinting this way? What would you do if you were teaching a guy to steal second base? Why would you do it that way? Where does that come from? All these questions. Yeah. I, like I said it before. I just, if you're going to do something, do it right. And I like, I like to know the why, um, you know, we, the four minute warm up that, that you instituted in the program, uh, you know, at first to me, it, that, that was the silliest thing in the world. And now not only do I know it and use it every day, whether I'm, I'm with you or not, or just waking up and, and having a stretch and things like that, but now I have to teach it. And I, I teach it not only at St. Peter's, but I teach it to my other teams that I've coached. Um, so I, I just, I've always been, I'm much more intrigued in fitness than I've ever been. So I need to know all the, the whys and the ins and outs. And again, attention to detail. So, but I just, I generally, genuinely have always uh, wanted to, you know, have more knowledge and, and understand things. Uh, I've been inquisitive that way my whole life. Um, I think some of that stems from just being the quote unquote perfectionist that I, I consider myself, you know, to an extent, uh, have a little bit of nut job in me when it comes to certain things. And, uh, again, attention to detail is something that separates the, the men from the boys in every walk of life. But, um, so that's why I always ask a lot of questions and especially, you know, when I got to really know you and we, we became close and I was around you a lot more, um, you know, that I, 
constantly had the thought, like, this is a guy that I want to model myself after. Uh, he, you are, you know, just everything that anything you do, you do it a hundred percent. You study it all the way through. Uh, I've learned so many different discipline things from you as far as cutting, cutting some crap out of my life or just making life easier and, and prioritizing differently, you know, things of that nature that have really made all the difference in my life and in my career and my coaching career, uh, my relationships, my friends and family um, and my ability to help others and not only coaching, but you know, now I can, I can talk to my mom. Uh, I can talk to my, my girlfriend's family. I can talk to whoever uh, and, and have, you know, a more level head and a more uh, well-cultured, manner to speak to or just more experiences and more uh, knowledge to pull from. And I, I credit a lot of that to you and, and what I've learned from you. Do, do you have your uh, fiance doing the four minute warm up? Uh, no, I do have her. However, she's come around in full force on the uh, waking up and she goes, her alarm goes off at four 32. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm at four 30. She's four 32. Right. And, uh, but she, you know, I, Again, when we first started dating, she thought I was nuts. Um, when we moved in together, she kind of had to wake up and my alarm would go off. And then, you know, I finally talked her into it. And she says that has changed her life for the better uh, now that she is, you know, fully on board on that. At least during the weekdays, she is. You know, it, it is nuts because you're never in this thing alone, right? You're, you're, if you live with somebody and you're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 4.30, you are interrupting their sleep pattern. So if they are not okay. supporting you in this journey, it's not going to work. So yeah, right. my wife, same thing. She, now she's getting up before me. She's getting up at 357. It wasn't always that way, but it, it is enabling me. It helps me, and I can see how much she's helping you. Absolutely. Yeah, I credit her a lot as well. Um, it's you know not only in the morning. It's The morning starts the night before, realistically. You know Whether it's we got to eat clean for dinner, um, we got to get to bed by this time, you know, and then the next morning, yes, we're, we're both pushing each other to get out of bed. We, we constantly text during the day. Thanks. I, I didn't want to get up today, but thank you for pushing me. And, um, it's, it's made a world of difference in, in both our lives for the better. Yeah. So if, if you're, we, so now we're taking that step forward. You had talked before about, you know, battles or, or issues with dieting, going on different types of diets. So, what have been the biggest obstacles you've had with respect to diet? Was it the, and usually they say if there's some sort of habit that you have, there's one of five cues that causes you to break off the narrow path that you're trying to go right. through. So one's location, one like, Hey, if I'm in Vegas, well then it's very easy to, to do, <laughs> right. to do something. Uh, one is time. I don't know. It's uh, two o'clock in the morning. I got to eat something. One is emotional state. Uh, I'm really upset or I'm really happy. Another one is the people around you. I know that I am a bad person in this way. When I hang out with my buddies, they feel like they need to eat a lot around me because that's just like my thing. And they go, like, I better order a 50-ounce steak because Mahoney's here. And then the, right. the fifth one would be uh, whatever happened right before that. So for you, is it any of those things? Is it all those five things? Like what do you think it is that is the obstacle in the st sticking to a diet? Yeah, I'd say uh, location would pretty much – sum up everything for what you just mentioned you made alluded to uh as in this, you know i ate great all week with my fiance we cook for each other every night uh it's you know it's vegetables it's protein that's about it um i go to bed on time and, and i rarely anymore have midnight snacks so uh but the location again yeah if i have a wedding that weekend 
if I have a work function, uh, which I sell wine and liquor for a living right now. So that, you know, that kind of gets in the way of my life. But, um, yeah, I was in Vegas for a bachelor party, which happens to me seems like once a month, um, where I just go completely off the reservation, binge out the wazoo. And then, you know, that screws you up, not only screws up what you did the, the previous five days, but for the next five days too. And, and by the time those five days are up and I'm, I'm back to where I should be, then, Hey, it's the weekend again. And, and I'm going out to dinner with these people, or I got a boys night out or whatever the case may be. And so I'd say location is the, the main thing. My, my social schedule, my sociability as a people person, you know, I am, um, I, I don't, again, I I've sat through Thanksgiving Eve parties, um, and, and told my friends I have to go cause, cause we have a tough man to do in the morning. And I, I hear it from everybody. Uh, I tell Mahoney, leave you alone. You don't got to do that tomorrow. You know, come have a beer with our sister and the other. And over the years, it's been easier to, to shun those people and, and, you know, get up from the table at 10 o'clock instead of 2 p.m., 2 a.m. in the morning. But uh, location would be my, my biggest thing. And it's, it really is a, a difficult balance of being social and being, I'll say being fit or being disciplined. I don't have the will. You say I have willpower. I don't have the will. So I just don't go. Like if, if you're saying, yeah, those guys say, I want to come out for a beer. I couldn't go there the whole night and not drink something. I, either right. I, you better give me a gallon of water or yeah. I just can't go there. So for me, it's like I, I have to avoid that situation or I'm going to break down. So for me, my thing is don't go. But in the same respect, I'm thinking about a guy we used to coach with. He was a, a bodybuilder, jacked up, shredded. And his kids told him he didn't have vitamin H. Like you don't have vitamin happy because he wouldn't eat stuff. He wouldn't go out. He was just constantly yeah. working on his physique. And that is, that is this tough balance. But he said, yeah, for me, take it off my shirt, feeling comfortable and feeling jacked. That's my vitamin H. But you know, for every person, it's a different scenario. What can you deal yeah. with? And I'm waiting for that. Uh, so I had a similar situation. My friend, one of my very good friends, Danny, my college roommate, one of my best friends, uh, we were talking, you know, he was, uh, we, we obviously, we were roommates in college. So we talked about dating girls in a dating scene. And, you know, in college, it's especially tough. And, you know, there's, how many ex-girls on, on campus and you got a girlfriend and this one now all of a sudden likes it, whatever the case may be. Um, and he said, Hey, you just gotta, I never forget it. He said, you just got to remove yourself from the situation. So he was talking about removing temptation. Um, but you know, it, it, it still rings true in my head for a lot of different things. And yes, I'm waiting for my own personal light switch to go off here and, and really, you know, find that moment in time where I say, this is now going to be the most important thing. I know I've said it a lot. I know we've been through this a lot where the, the food and the drinking and everything is, it's got to be the most important thing to me if I want to get to that goal of what I say I want to be. And that's dropping body fat and getting back in, into uh, the shape that I want to be in for the, for the future. Now, what, what makes it pretty interesting because when I was talking to that coach, I said, do you think it's easier for you than it is for me to go out and not do X, Y, and Z and be called out. Like, for example, anytime I go out to dinner with my family, my dad will continually ask me, can you have chicken parmesan? You know, can you have a beer? Can you have these mashed potatoes? Like, just constantly no. But with mm -hmm. him, this guy is completely jacked up. So people, and I, in my mind, look at him and they get it. Yep, I get it, man. You got to have grilled chicken and broccoli. Like, you're not going to have a glass of beer, a cup of beer. Yeah. Dip. For him, I think it's easier. He said, yeah, it is. He said, it's easier for me because of the way I look that people just put a, a stamp on my head that this guy's not going to mess around. But sure. if, if you're not there, then people just say, well, why bother, man? Like, why do you care so much? Eat that cupcake. 
you know, eat this ice cream cake. It's your birthday. Eat it. But yeah. if you get an 18 pack, no one's going to mess with it. So let's, let's transition this conversation over to Dr. Tom. So Dr. Tom is the nutritionist that both Joe and I went to, to, to really take things to a completely different level. And I just, in your own words, can you explain what he told us about food sensitivity? Sure. So Dr. Tom Bolella, first off, a, a great guy. I recommend him. Um, basically, we went down there and what, what really was my fuel for that fire was that, uh, you know, as strict as I ever was between you and I, uh, Coach Mahoney would stay on top of me. I, I used to have to send you pictures of every meal. Uh, to prove exactly what was going in my body because we couldn't figure out why I wasn't specifically burning fat or uh, anything at that time. Um, so after about two months of that, we decided this nutritionist may have a different answer for us because I would send you pictures of me eating chicken, sauerkraut, and beans pretty much daily. And broccoli, and I thought you were lying. No, yeah, broccoli. It was a very – again, that was the most strict I ever was for that time frame, and, it, and my head almost exploded. So I uh, decided to go down there with you, down to Red Bank. We met Dr. Tom. Uh, basically, food sensitivities, uh, it's not really an, it's not an allergy. It's not an allergic reaction, but it, certain foods cause inflammation in your body, and that will detract from your ability to burn fat, or at least that's how I understand it. Um, and, of course, we do our blood work. Uh, we get our food sensitivity list back, and the, most, the things that I was most sensitive to were caffeine, uh, chicken, broccoli. So things that, you know, I would wake up, I'd have a cup of coffee, that caffeine and that coffee would cause inflammation, which then in turn made me not only not burn fat, but I was, I was not feeling a hundred percent, which, you know, you, you, when you're inflamed, you, uh, kind of feel tired. You, you might want to take a nap in the middle of the day for no reason, even if you get a great night's sleep. Uh, these are kind of things that I was experiencing and to go along with that, what do you think I'd do? I'd have another cup of coffee or a Red Bull, just adding the caffeine on. So it was a vicious cycle. Um, so and, and found out about these food sensitivities. Dr. Tom really opened my eyes. And, and um, you know, when I was going well with him, I, I was down, let's say, 15 pounds. Um, I had dropped pretty, pretty a few percentage points on body fat. Um, so it's definitely I'm, I'm looking to get back to him as well soon. Uh, I feel like I have to, I need that motivation. Um, but it was, it was eye opening for sure. It definitely changed my outlook on a lot of different things. And, and uh, it's definitely a science that's still progressing and they're still finding out more and more about it. So, so um, this is worth reiterating again. So you could eat grilled chicken and broccoli and someone would say to you, Hey, Joe, you want to lose weight? Eat grilled chicken and broccoli, but you're eating that stuff. It's giving you inflammation. When you have inflammation, you cannot create testosterone. You're getting one or the other. That's it. So right. you are correct. It is destroying your ability to burn fat. It's also making you tired. To compensate right. for that, you start having more caffeine, which is making this vicious cycle even worse. So you're yeah. a guy trying to do everything right, uh, and then it just all – the floor <laughs> comes right out from underneath. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, frustrating to say the least. And uh, what about mint? What, what happened with mint? Mint was high on my sensitivity list as well. Uh, so I had to change my toothpaste. I couldn't use mint Listerine anymore. I had to go to orange or they have a purple flavor now, which is very good. Um, but yes, I mean, down to that 
minute of a, you know, sample size, if you want to call it that, uh, whatever is going to set off that inflammation and you have to rid yourself of it at least for several weeks. So one of the things I was thankful for is that after, after a two, three week period of not having any chicken and as a, as a, you know, a guy living on Staten Island in New York, uh, chicken is pretty much everywhere and every restaurant and every dish, um, especially with the, with an Italian fiance. Um, so that was extremely tough to get away from, but I was able to reintroduce chicken to my system after a while. And that was actually a great day because you get to sit down and eat like four pounds of whatever you are sensitive to, to reintroduce it to your system. So I really enjoyed that. And, uh, I, I definitely feel like it reintroducing it in that way and taking the time off and letting your body reset, uh, definitely helped me with the chicken. I, I still try to stay away from it. I, I eat a lot more fish and steak than I do chicken. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's, you know, still working, but I'm, I may have to go for another blood test and see what's, what's one on the list these days. If, if you're on some sort of diet or you're struggling, I highly, highly recommend going for this food sensitivity testing. Reach out to me. Reach out to Joe. We can connect you with Dr. Tom. It is money well spent because you're probably spending money on other supplements to counteract the stuff that you're sensitive to, you know, you Maybe you're on some uh, weight loss supplement, which you shouldn't be, or you're on some some gaining supplement, like a, a crazy protein shake or pre-workout or whatever, and it's all this stuff that you don't need. You could just stop eating something like broccoli. Imagine how awesome that is. You don't have to eat broccoli anymore. I hate broccoli. But uh, imagine <laughs> that, and you get to lose weight. It's it's a great thing. Yeah, and you know anything that's worthwhile is, is going to be – you know, worth its weight in gold. And it was, it was not the least expensive thing we've ever done, but it was definitely worth it. And again, to your point, instead of buying all these different supplements and whatnot and going every which direction, uh, I, we put our money where it was better spent and got way more information, got more knowledgeable, uh, opened our eyes to a whole new world and a better off for it. Yeah. You, you never stop learning. Uh, there's a lot of skeptics out there. This guy's just trying to take your money. He's not, uh, to me, to me, he's gotten to the point where he's taken me off. He's reduced the amount of fish oil pills that I've taken. You know, he's doing enough blood work to say, look, you got enough omega-3s. Stop. Mm. Uh, you don't need this much vitamin D. Stop. And I was taking stuff that I didn't need to take, and he could have very easily just sold me supplements out of his store, and that is not the direction he took. Yeah, I think – I mean you're a, a perfect <laughs> example. you got to be one of his uh, you know, quote-unquote best clients as far as – what you're willing to do, what you came in as, and, and where you're looking to go with your body. Um, so I think he, he enjoys working with you, and I think he's able to use you and do things with you that a guy like me doesn't have the willpower to, to, to pull off in a lot of ways. But uh, he's, he was a great guy. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back together with him and, and uh, getting back on track. So along those same lines, you've come an extremely long way I'd say it's just even in the last two years, you've become a completely different person. If you had to go back in time and talk to your 15-year-old self, what would you say? Oh, boy. <laughs> I would say a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I guess the, the thing that still eats at me is uh, that you know, I'm doing all this stuff now, and it's really, besides the points we've already made, uh, it's not for anything specific. I'm not, I'm obviously not an athlete professionally. I'm not playing any sports anymore. Um, and when I was, you know, would, would the working out and everything that we 
challenge ourselves to do would it would have helped me tenfold back in the day and would have changed maybe my my college you know where I decided to go or my college career that way not that I would have gotten drafted or anything I definitely wasn't going to play basketball anywhere you know it's it was just it's more important to not only be a better athlete but it was it would have taught me a lot of discipline that I could have used back in high school um that I, I feel like I thank god I learned it when I did in life but it, it would have helped me much more if I had learned it earlier and bought into the, the workouts and everything like that much earlier. Now, as a person who is a coach, do you feel like you talk to kids and you tell them stuff, but they just don't get it? Well, I guess that the answer is always yes. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think there's any way they can get it? You know, will they ever listen to an older guy and say, okay, this advice is true and I'm going to do it? Yeah, you know what? It's, uh, again, going back to our point about you have to lead by example and uh, – you know, if you can speak from experience, that's much, that, that might fall a little easier on people's ears than if I'm talking about something which I've never walked in those shoes. So for me, yeah, it's, it's painful. You know how it is when you're talking to a kid and they, they, you try to impart your wisdom, your experiences on them, and, and they just either shake you off or, or nod you to death. And, uh, and you walk out of that conversation and say, you know, that accomplished nothing. And I, I, it's painful because you want to give them your perspective and you want to help them because you were in, if nothing else, you were in those shoes where you didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to listen to some older guy, just, just balk your ear off about whatever it was. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a very tough thing about that. They don't tell you when, when you go into coaching and, and when I started coaching at 21, 22 years old, that was something, you know, those, those kids in high school are still quote unquote, my peers at that age. Um, so I think it, it's very different for a 15 year old to hear it from a 22 year old than a, than a 72 year old. Um, but it was something that I definitely had to learn and get used to because it's not easy. It's, that's why you got to find it's for me, it's like my job in sales. I have to deal with a, a billion different personalities in a, a billion different situations, uh, and, you know, in a billion different restaurants and, and stores that I work through. Um, everybody's got their own story. Everybody has their own buttons that you have to push to get through to them. And that's something that I pride myself on because it is in my work that I have to do that and I, to be successful and to make money. Um, but it's also helped me immensely in coaching because I, I know if I can, if I can get through to this 15 year old kid that that's coming to me from the Bronx to coach football, something I've never coached and that he is already way past me, maybe, you know, physically, mentally about the sport. If I can get through to him, I could sell, you know, wine to this guy later on in the day, and that's going to be much easier. Or vice versa. If I have to deal with somebody who doesn't speak English in one of my accounts, I can get through to this kid playing football because I know what it's like to be a high school athlete. Right. You, you are exercising that muscle, either in persuasion, motivation, whatever you want to call it. You're exercising that muscle. Yes, sir. And it, 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 yeah, I get, I get frustrated, too. Uh, you tell kids, look, you're going to regret this. You're going to miss this opportunity. You're going to miss practice in football. You're going to miss, you're going to say that you should have been in this gym more, but they, it's sometimes a lot of times a kid or even a grown adult cannot learn the lesson until they experience a moment. You can't just at a lot of times tell someone that something's going to happen and they believe you. Sometimes you have to create a moment to make that happen, or they have to be in that moment to make it happen. So, right. and I'm, I'm even thinking one of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, what is your 40 year old self going to tell you, you know, 40 year old Joe comes back. Now I'm even thinking, would, would you listen to that 40 year old? Would I listen to a 50 year old me who came up and said, Hey, do, do X, Y, and Z. So 
you know, would if if you had a forty year old self come back in time, what do you think that that forty year old self is going to tell you? I I think I'd say to myself, uh, I think it was a great idea for me to mature to the point where I open myself up to listen to those older guys. In all honesty, I mean, there's again when you're when you're fifteen, sixteen. At me, I was the captain of two sports in, in high school. I was the president of the high school at, at one point. Um, you know, you, you get that age, even when you go to college, you, you feel invincible. You know, every, you know all the answers. My father, I didn't want to hear from because he didn't have the same experiences as me. Uh, my brother had a totally different life than me. So who's going to tell me how to be the best Joe Marechko or how to enjoy my life the way I want Joe Marechko to be perceived in the world? And, um, you know, again, now – as I've matured over these years, uh, whether it's reading more books and, and culturing myself on topics that I had no interest in or getting further into topics that I am interested in, uh, just becoming a, a more well-rounded person, being able to speak on different topics to different people. Um, I think that's something that, again, thank God I'm doing it now and I, I wish I would have did it earlier, but um, I think I'm setting myself up to, to make that 40-year-old Joe much better off and much happier uh, because it's, it's going to be too late if I'm 40 and I don't do any of that stuff now. Do you think you beat that 40 year old Joe in a tough man? I better, I better hope right now. I, if I'm 10 years from now. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be on the same trajectory as you are. I don't know how, you know, if we're going to get into how old you are, but if I look like you when I'm 40 years old, I'll be way better shape than I am now first off, but I'll be pretty pissed off that I wasn't, in that kind of shape at 30. I, I am I am not bashful. I am 41 years old, but I was thinking you'd say the other thing. Like, yeah, I'm saying I, I hope my 50-year-old self destroys me on a tough man right now. I hope so. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, again, I, I think there's much room for improvement on myself. Um, I've learned from a lot of my failures in, in the past and still have a long way to go, admittedly, but uh, God knows what 40 is going to bring. Tomorrow is going to bring as you know my life um yeah it's i i'm going to continue to challenge myself try to get better and, and see where we go so we talked about advanced training a little bit just then everybody's got their own thing in advanced training for you what's the one thing you bring to the culture of advanced training that's unique to you i like to consider myself you, you mentioned it before uh that i'm a finisher uh which was not the case when i admittedly when i first started um There'd be a lot of a lot of things that I couldn't handle, and I thought it was okay to say, you know, I'll, I'll take this one off, or I'll uh, I'll finish my workout early while the other guys are still grueling through it. Um, that's something that, you know, I have a lot of things that have happened in my life that I they motivate me now because I am still pissed off about them, um, and I I got to that point in advanced training where I didn't want to be that guy, um, so that I I, I didn't want to let Joe Sano have any ammunition to call me out anymore. I didn't want to let, you know, a Joe Tronzo, uh, who would, again, great athlete, great guy, a little older than me. Um, but he hadn't been working out with us. He was doing his own thing. He's not part of the, uh, what we do, the workouts we do exactly, but I didn't want him to beat me out and then, you know, last longer than me and be able to have any ammunition to call me out. So, um, a lot of my, my failures have molded me into somebody that I, I could, you know, I bring the work ethic. I'll, I'll bring the, you know, I, I might not win. I might know I'm not going to win, but I'm going to show up and give him my best shot and, and hope for the best. And that, I mean, whether it's challenges or whatever the case may be, I, I at least, I go down swinging. That, that's for damn sure. Now, you would definitely be a candidate 
for one of the most successful people ever at advanced training. But so let's exclude you from this conversation. Who do you think of when the word success comes to mind? Who do you think of when it comes to advanced training? Uh, I mentioned him before. I'd say Joe Sarno. I mean, first off, I'll say that there is success just up and down the list of, of our athletes in the program, uh, whether it's we're talking about training or we're talking about their lives. I mean, just, just looking around at the current staff that we have, the roster we have going now, there's, there's a teacher, there's a lawyer, there's a, a businessman. I'm a businessman. You know, th- we have some very successful guys on and off the, or in and out of the gym and on and off the field. And it, we have a, a Billy Blanco is a, a CEI, uh, what do you got? DEA agent. I mean, the, the, the roster of guys that you trained or that we coach with is just littered with successful people. And that's, it speaks to the discipline and speaks to everything. Um, but as far as working out with the guys, I think again, and I didn't know Joe Sarno in high school. So from what I understand for him to come as far as he has is to me, it's, it's unbelievable. And again, that's, some things that God given he's, he's got an unbelievable frame, but he's worked at it because if he wasn't like that in high school, that speaks to how far he's coming. And we all know his accomplishments and, and the challenge points and, and the power points. So that's to me, that's success all time. Uh, I, I know Teddy Cloessi, um, Frank Torres. If I didn't give him a mention, I'd hear from him. So I'll shout him out. Ryan Smith. I always, uh, admired him, uh, Mario mock with, with his, uh, you know, unbelievable slider records, but there's just different guys up and down that I haven't really trained with uh, everybody. So I haven't had the pleasure of training with everyone, but I, from personal experience, I'd have to say Joe Sarno. And for those of you not getting the Mario mock reference, I believe it was 2014. It was, I'm looking at the data right now. He beat Ryan Smith in a 45 yard slider. He did it in 16.87 seconds. No current advanced training member actually believes that data. They think it's a typo by me. I'd say uh, I'd say he did it. It was uh, I, there's a lot of variables involved of what that number is going to be. How wet was the ground? What was the workout we did before it? What was the the field that we were doing it on? We actually did it across the field as a like from sideline to sideline as opposed to going from the goal line out. So that, there was a lot to it, but this was the uh, the joke that Joe Moresco was making about Mario Mach. So. I would say- Say what kind of car was he in? What, what is it? A scooter? Was he? Because I, I tried doing the forty yards in my Jeep, and I couldn't get sixteen seconds. So, so, so you mentioned a lot of people when it came to success, but now you can only choose one when it comes to tag team partner all time. Who is it? Yeah, I'd go Sano again. Uh, I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, kissing him, but uh, he's uh, as as you saw earlier this year. I chose him in a challenge to be my tag team partner. Um, I just, I think he's just a freak. He's motivating. He's, uh, he'd be a great tag team partner. I mean, he's, I love guys that trash talk. I absolutely love it. I know some other guys, they, they've already been on here saying that it's not really their thing and that's all well and good, but I absolutely love it. Whether it's at me or whether I can get in on it. I don't even do it too much anymore. I'm especially not during our group chats, but, uh, I, I'm all about it. I think it's great as a, a mental thing on the field playing or, you know, if you're in the gym, whatever the case may be, I, and Sano's all of that, and then some when it comes to it. So if you had to pick two guys to go against who are not in the program right now, so you got to get two retired veterans mm. okay. to go against in a challenge with Sarno as your tag team partner, who are they? Yeah. I used to love going against Torres when he was part of the program. So I'd go back to him, and then I'd have to go – everybody talking about Teddy Clohesse again. I knew him – I knew Teddy – 
when he was a real little kid. I went to school with his brother, his older brother. Um, and to see what he's turned into, right? he's a monster too. But uh, I know he's in all the record books up and down. I'd have to say either him or Smith, just because I know Smith and, and Sarno are, are good friends. Um, so that'd be an interesting if we're doing tag teams. Uh, it'd be kind of WWF 2.0 when, when me and Torres, who used to be good friends, go against each other and then Smith and Sarno. So. Used to be good friends. Is this like a WWE, you're turning heel on them right now? He'll, he'll have to show up and find out if he ever shows up again. <laughs> All right. So uh, word association, when you think of advanced training, what is the wor- one word that pops into your head? Uh, competition. Challenge. I'd, say not, I'd say challenge more so than that because, one, I think challenge, it's in our vernacular because we have a challenge at the end of every workout. Um, but it's more to me and what I, again, going back to one of your first questions today, it, it was about me challenging myself even when I had nothing on the line. Um, in 2008, it was my what sophomore year in college or freshman and sophomore year, and I was not playing any sports. Um, but I needed to challenge myself in life, and I needed to find that motivation. Um, and, and, again, even till today, I'm still working out with the kids that we train. Uh, that are 15 to 18 years old. We're working out with kids all up and down that, that are much younger than me that put me to the test. And I'm, I'm challenging myself against guys that are way more gifted than me that are, uh, but I'm trying to, you know, be better than my, than I was yesterday. So be better than my old self, the, the 15 year old, 18 year old that I'm pissed off that, that didn't put this work in back in the day. And I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, be better than others that I, again, can walk into a room and say, no, I didn't, I didn't stay out all late last night. I actually had the discipline to go home early from a party to get up in the morning and, and make myself better and challenge myself. So I want to wrap it up with my, my favorite question. There's nothing to do with advanced training, but it's <laughs> total, totally selfish on my part. Yeah. Uh, what is one life lesson that you can give me on how to simplify or remove clutter? And it doesn't have to be about lifting. It can be anything. It can be work, life, uh, whatever. I have – really mastered the art of a to-do list i think it's uh it's something that is constantly on my phone it's constantly updated literally to the minute um it helps me i have i have calendars that are already two years out and booked Uh, i have down like i said down to the minute what i have to do what time i'm going shopping tonight for what foods uh i cross that off as i'm walking down the aisles of Shoprite and you know, I'll get home and, and as soon as I put the food on the stove, I, I take that right out of my phone. So I know even if I'm even if I'm done eating, I don't want that on my to do list anymore because it's it's been over now for, for 10, 20 minutes. Um, but that's really helped me eliminate a lot of clutter in life. Um, yeah, so that that's pretty much something that uh, has helped me with my discipline and, and my work ethic. Now, do you make a to do list every day? A brand new one? Is it a running list? How does it work? I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on a note in my iPhone. And whether it's appointment times or, you know, like I said, what I have to go shopping for, it's just if I know that I have a game on Tuesday night that I have to coach, that's going in if it's in the next two weeks. Um, But my calendar is constantly updated as well. So I'll have email reminders. I'll have, uh, you know, alarm set, things of that nature to help me out. But it's mostly a running. Yeah, I'd say a running to-do list 
And, and, and there's a great book that I have not read yet, actually, but a mentor of mine has told me to read it. It is on my list of books to read. Like literally, I bought it. It's sitting on my shelf. I have about 20 right. books ready to go. And one of them is called The Checklist Manifesto. Now, okay. I haven't read it, but I think part of the premise of the book is that when you have chaotic times and there could be – you have like these routine tasks and there may be a time where you could forget what to do. You yep. break out that checklist and yet you check stuff off as you're doing it. Now, it's not a – it probably is a to-do list, so to say, but it's not about errands. It could be about routine tasks that happen. I know I've made one for before games, after games to make sure we check off the box. Do we have headsets? Oh, yes. Do we have water bottles? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That That's even especially in something like that where before a game it's hectic, you know, everything's out of wazoo and, and it is chaotic. And that just brings you back in, centers you, make sure you're prepared. Um, the one thing I, I will say this, I did read about the two-minute rule. So anything in life that can be done that comes up over the course of a day, whether it's an errand, whether you know something just pops up, if it can be done within the next two minutes, do it so you don't push it off. So instead of procrastinating, if, if you have to do the wash, you just came out of the shower, you can either go downstairs and watch TV and cook breakfast or you can put the wash on and then go to watch TV and cook breakfast. Go do the wash that can be done within two minutes. That's also something that it goes off like a fire alarm in my head if I'm if I am procrastinating at all. It, it really it gets me on edge after reading that and, and trying to institute it into my life. Now, uh, this, that should have been the last question, but we have this uh, Kanban board in right. the football coaching office. So for those that don't know, I, I'm a very into Lean Six Sigma. There is something called a Kanban board. There's, there's just a Kanban methodology, but the Kanban board is capacity restraint. So it's basically a to-do list, but it limits you to the amount of stuff you're allowed to do. So there's three sections. There's like a, a planning, there's a doing, and then there's a done. So you get to see – you basically move things across this board, and you and I have talked about it at length. And, yep. and so really it is a to-do list, but it's also capacity restraint because it won't allow you to add more into to-do unless you knock something else off the list. Yeah, and I'd say with what's satisfying and gratifying about my to-do list is crossing things off and, and working that down from sometimes 20 things to do on a, on a busy day down to zero by the end of the night. Then I can put my head on the pillow, know that what I already have to do is plan for tomorrow, know that I covered everything today so I don't have any oh crap moments in the middle of the night which I used to have quite often, too often for my liking, obviously. Uh, but it's, it's helped me tenfold, yeah. So if you think of something in the middle of the night, do you wake up and put it on your to-do list? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I, unless I can take care of it in two minutes. All right. So with that, we are wrapping up this podcast. Joe, great job. Uh, I'm, I think we definitely need to have a round two. There's a bunch of questions that we didn't get to that we're going to cover in, in the next interview in the, in the near future. Sounds great. Thank you so much for everything, Coach. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.